0: Well, hey friends, welcome to the CELO podcast, Aaron here. Today, I get the privilege of introducing you to a good friend of mine named Charlie Deaver. Charlie is a pastor, he is a church planter, and he's a missional practitioner who's been doing some beautiful work in East Knoxville for the past few years. And over that time, we've become close friends, um, doing similar works in different areas of the city. And getting together really just to encourage one another in that work, which can be different and difficult and messy and all those things. And this year, we actually decided after several months of prayer and dialogue to officially partner together. We got to a point where we just said, hey, why why are we doing this separately? Uh, What might this look like to actually bring our communities and our resources together and uh, partner together for the king and the kingdom in our city and so that's what we're doing so that means that uh, in time you're going to get to know Charlie Uh, he's going to be one of the regulars on this podcast and we'll be doing more and more things together and today he's going to walk us through our next beatitude so friends uh, enjoy
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Sela podcast. This is Charlie, uh, and today we're going to be taking a look at the fourth beatitude. We've been working through the beatitudes for a while now. Uh, It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. Uh, Jesus has really just brought this this passage of Scripture to life for me, um, particularly in the last couple of years, uh, as, as I've really gotten to understand on a deeper level Who Jesus is talking to in this passage and why what he is saying is so countercultural at his time. And I I believe it's just as countercultural for us today. A little, just a brief recap. I'm sure that if you've been listening in or or if you've been with us on Sundays, you are very familiar with this. But here we have a passage where Jesus, he's just been walking around uh, the town and the village healing people casting out demons, inviting the poor and the sick and the social outcasts to follow him and, and receive his blessing. And so he has this crowd of people following him around. Uh, and they're, they're the type of people that have never been uh, held to a place of value before. People that have never been looked on as, as someone with any amount of importance um, or value to bring to the community. Uh, in fact, they are seen of, as a nuisance or even uh, as, as a, a negative presence in their, in their society. But Jesus says to these people, you are the ones that are blessed in my kingdom, and you are the ones that I am building my kingdom for. Uh, it's so powerful. And I, I just want to read for you all this one quote um from Dallas Willard's book Divine Conspiracy where he tries to imagine what this might sound like in in modern terms in our in our day and age. He says blessed are the flunkouts and the dropouts and the burned outs. Blessed are the broke and the broken, the drug heads and the divorced, the HIV positive and the herpes ridden, the brain damaged and the incurably ill. Blessed are the barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time. Blessed are the overemployed, the underemployed, and the unemployed, as well as the unemployable. Blessed are the swindled, the shoved aside, and the replaced. Blessed are the lonely, the incompetent, and the stupid, the emotionally starved and the emotionally dead, for the kingdom of God has come to them. I think that's such a beautiful way of putting this. And it really speaks to our day and age and those that we see around us who are not seen as important, not seen as valuable, uh, not desirable as far as including them in a community. Um, But Jesus says to them, in my kingdom, in my community, you have not only have a place, but a place of, of high esteem, a place of value and importance. Um, So, with that in mind, we're going to be looking at the fourth beatitude. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And before uh, I read the beatitude, let me just pray for us. Father, I I pray for uh, whoever is listening to this right now, God. I pray for those that uh, are driving in their car, or cleaning their home, or just sitting on the couch. I pray that you'd meet them wherever they're at, that you would calm their hearts, that you would calm their minds, that you'd fill them with your spirit so that they may hear your word and respond to it. I pray that as I'm, I'm speaking about this beatitude, that nothing I say would hinder anyone from hearing what you have to say to them. To speak to us, God, we know and trust that you can and will in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, this is the fourth beatitude, the fourth blessing that Jesus gives to this crowd of people. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now this blessing I think may be the easiest to turn into a command. Blessed are those who are righteous or who do righteousness. But that's not what it says. Jesus is saying in this beatitude, blessed are those who have a deep hunger and a deep thirst for righteousness. They are starving for righteousness. They desperately long for it. It implies that For those whom Jesus is referring to, righteousness is scarce. It is not easy to come by. Think about the last time you were really hungry. And think about the last time you you were just, you needed a drink. You were so thirsty. It's not a pleasant experience, right? It's not a moment where you think, man, I, I feel so blessed right now. No, it's, it's a moment where you, you do and say things that you're going to regret, right? It's a moment where you are, are short tempered with those that you love. It's a moment where you, you begin to get thoughts in your mind that, that you never, uh, in the right mind would, would think of. Um, it's, it's when we are hungry and thirsty, we are not at our best and we certainly don't feel blessed. Being really hungry or being really thirsty is miserable. It's, it's, a, it's suffering, and it can lead to death, obviously, if, if we are so hungry and so thirsty. I mean, it's things that we desperately need, food and water, we desperately need it for our survival. But hunger and thirst, it affects everything. It affects our mood, our energy, our mental capacity, our body. You might start shaking, your head throbs, you feel dizzy. It, it consumes every part of your being. You can't think of anything else when you are very hungry or very thirsty, so we're not talking about a wants here. We're not talking, we're not saying, Jesus isn't saying, I want righteousness. We're talking about a visceral, instinctual need. We are talking about people who have been deprived, starved of righteousness and desperately need it to survive. Blessed are those who are starving for righteousness. One of the issues with this particular blessing, is our understanding of the word righteousness. We tend to think of it as referring to personal holiness or doing the right thing. But in the biblical sense, it's so much more than that. The NLT translates this verse as, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice hey the, the the word the the greek word uh for justice and the, and the greek word for righteousness at least in our language are the same okay uh we think of those two things as separate we think of righteousness as more of a a moral personal uh duty and justice as this more of this social uh reality uh or lack of reality but in in scripture righteousness and justice justice are interchangeable You can't separate the two. Dallas Willard translates this, and and I love how he translates this beatitude. He says, blessed are those who burn with desire for things to be made right. Biblical righteousness is not an action. It's a state of being. Biblical righteousness is not personal. It is relational and communal and universal. It refers to our relationship with one another, our relationship to the world that we live in, and our relationship with the community around us. And most importantly, it refers to our relationship with God. Those who are starving for righteousness, they look around and they see that things are not right. They see the brokenness in the world. They see shattered relationships. They see the lost and the lonely. They see lives in ruin. Homes and communities devastated, and they know things should not be this way. They long for things to be made right. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you see the world around you, and you and you you say, "Things are. This is not the way things ought to be." I believe. I can envision. I know that the world can be better. So as Jesus looks out into the crowd. He sees the brokenness in their eyes. He sees longing in their hearts. He sees people who have done wrong and have been wronged. He sees people with this deep, deep need for those wrongs to be made right. Their lives literally depend on it. And Jesus says to them, in the kingdom of God, you are the blessed ones and your hunger and thirst will be satisfied. According to Jesus, this kingdom reality that he's talking about here, it's not a future tense or not not only a future tense. There are certainly future implications for the kingdom reality that he's speaking about. But Jesus is very clear. The kingdom of God has arrived. Your blessing is now. Things are being made right now. Bodies are being healed Demons are being cast out around you. Lives and relationships are being restored. Social systems that oppress and enslave and keep people down are being confronted. And it's not done. It's certainly not done. But it's happening. That hunger and thirst that you are experiencing for things to be made right is, is being fulfilled. When we, uh, in our imagination of this, when we relegate these kingdom blessings to the next life, okay, when we say that the hunger and thirst for righteousness will only be satisfied once we leave this earth, what we're doing is, is we are turning our backs on Jesus's primary message and the primary message that he has passed along to his church. That is that the kingdom of God has come to earth. And it has come in the person of Jesus. It has come, as as Jesus claims at the outset of his ministry in Luke 4, as good news to the poor, as freedom for the prisoner, as recovery of sight for the blind, and as liberation for the oppressed. It has come to establish the year of the Lord's favor, which is Old Testament talk for the restoration of things to the way they ought to be. This is what Jesus was all about. And this is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And this is what the Beatitudes are all about. That that this is already happening. That this hunger and thirst that people have for things to be made right is already happening around you. And it's not done, but it's happening. It's why Jesus came. And we can't miss that. Otherwise, we just make these empty promises about a future reality that has no bearing on what people are experiencing and hungering for now. Jesus came to address the longing that they they have now. And, and we can't miss that. So Jesus looks upon the broken and the outcast, the untouchables, the undesirables, those who find themselves on the wrong side of the social systems that are in place, those who were born with nothing and have nothing. Okay, as Simon and Garfunkel say in their in their song Blessed, the sat upon, the spat upon, and the ratted on. Jesus looks at these people and he says, God sees you, God knows you, God loves you, and he has come for you to make right this world in which righteousness has been very hard to come by. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. righteousness, because they are the ones who will recognize when God is making things right. They are the ones that will see it. They are the ones that will will be able to, to look through the pain and the brokenness that is so strong at times and see how Jesus is working to make things right. Blessed are the ones who can't numb themselves to the pain of this world. Blessed are the ones who can't retreat so they're comfortable and safe lives. Blessed are the ones who sit in the pain and the brokenness, be it their own or someone else's, and they beg for God. They cry out to God. They, they scream at God to make it right. Blessed are those who question God and get angry with God because they know, they know that God is present and they know that he has the power to make things right. And they just don't see it happening fast enough. Blessed are these people because they are very, very close to the heart of God. Psalm 34 verse 18 says that God is close to the brokenhearted because there is no heart that is more broken by this world than God's. Blessed are those who burn with desire for things to be made right because they see the world like God sees the world. So how do we respond to this? I gotta be honest, I really struggled to come up with something to say here. I feel like anything I do say is, is nowhere, nowhere near enough. Back when we, we were talking about this beatitude uh, it, on, on our, uh, during our, during our all-family gathering in June, uh, there was a tragic house fire that had happened uh, just that week before our gathering over on Lenland Avenue, which is only about half a mile from, from, uh, from here, from our building. And some of you may even know the family um, who lost their home in this fire and, and the lives of, of two children that were lost in the fire. It was a three-year-old girl and, and her 10-month-old brother. And, and I remember uh, reading this story and, and driving by the house and, and just being so heartbroken over this, this event, this tragedy, and, and wondering, where, where is God? in all of this. You know, what makes it so devastating is it's not something that can be fixed, right? And this is not a wrong that seems to be able to be made right. Okay? no family should lose their home. No parents should have to say goodbye to their children. No child should lose their life. And it doesn't seem like there's any way that, that righteousness can happen in a scenario like this. And I don't have anything really good to say uh, in response to that. But I think the helplessness that we feel when things like this happen, when tragedy strikes and, and when brokenness and pain overwhelms us, when there is such great loss that you can't imagine a way forward, when things happen that force you to ask, where is God? That is what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is what it feels like, to hunger and thirst for things to be made right. And I don't know what else we can do in a, in a, in a case like this, but just to come before God and beg him to make things right. Beg him to to, to restore things to the way they ought to be, to do a miracle. And fix this pain and this brokenness that people uh, endure. So I would encourage you, whether it's uh, surrounding the the tragic fire that happened um, a couple months ago, or or something that's happened in your own life, um, something that's happened around you. Um, people experience pain and brokenness and 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 just helpless situations, hopeless situations every day. And what I would encourage you to do is not shut off from that, not numb yourself, not try to put a silver lining on things or, or, or have this, this sense of optimism at all times, only focusing on the good things. I would encourage you to sit in the pain and brokenness, sit in the overwhelming feeling of hunger and thirst. And I would encourage you to do that. Um, Not because you will find answers, not because things will be fixed, but because your heart will be made more like God's heart. Because that's what God does. He sits with us in our pain, in our brokenness, and he, just like we, longs for things to be made right. Blessed are those who burn with desire for things to be made right. Jesus never said that following him would be easy. In fact, he made it pretty clear that it would be the opposite. Following Jesus, it involves a lot of heartbreak, a lot of longing, a lot of mourning. Because when we were following Jesus in a world that is not the way it ought to be, and we see that, we see that God's world is not as it should be. And the more we follow Jesus, the more we are made in his image and reflect his image in this world, the more we will see that. And our first response must be to take our hunger and thirst for righteousness to God, to throw ourselves at his feet and plead with him to make it right. And it's only from that posture of of mourning and longing and hunger and thirst, it's only from that posture that we can actually join him in making things right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they are the ones that will see God making things right. They're the ones that, uh, that God will work through to make things right. They are the ones that won't settle for the world the way it is, but will charge headfirst into the pain and the suffering and the loss and the poverty and the injustice that they see around them. And they will, they will wait expectantly for god to bring righteousness i want to close just by reading about this uh this this promise of a day of peace that god speaks about in Isaiah chapter 11. And this is a reality that is a future, eventual reality, but something that God promises and then fulfills in Jesus that he is actually doing right now among us. And we can expect to see these things happening now around us if we are willing to see the world as God sees. It. And that starts by seeing the brokenness. So I just wanna read this for you. And, and we can imagine what the world will be one day. And that will help us to imagine how we can see God breaking into our world today. So this is from Isaiah chapter 11. God speaks about the day when the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie with the baby goat. The young calf will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them all. When beast and cattle graze together, the cub and the calf lie down together. The baby will play safely near the den of the cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes and not be harmed. And then the, the, the prophecy closes with this, for nothing will hurt or destroy on God's holy mountain. As the waters fill the sea, all the earth will know the Lord. May we see that day together. Let's pray. God, I I ask you to to give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I ask you to make our hearts like yours. God, I ask you to break our hearts for what breaks yours. I pray that we wouldn't settle for a a oblivious, numb to the world, uh, comfortable Christianity but we would realize that we truly want to join you and what you're doing in this world around us, that we must enter into the brokenness, that we must allow our hearts to be broken, that we must experience hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I pray that this week or, or whenever people are listening to this as they're going about their week, as they're going about their jobs and spending time with their family and interacting with their neighbors, I pray that they would be drawn into the pain and the brokenness in the world around them. I pray that they would sit in that pain and brokenness and and allow their hearts to be broken by it and then and then come to you, Father, and fall at your feet and and beg you, long for you, plead with you to make it right. Cuz we know God that it is only from that posture where we'll actually be able to join you in seeing the world be made light. So help us to do that, God. And thank you for blessing those that this world has forgotten and turned their backs on. In Jesus' name, amen.